Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. I'm so excited about today's show. As I am about every show, right? I know that, but um, today is a little different. Um, I think today will be the first time I've actually had um, a, a comedian on the show. We've had filmmakers, actors, actresses. Um, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We've had all kinds of uh, careers represented here, but we've never had a comedian on. And who better to start this kind of show off than with Coco Brown? Coco is our um, guest today, and she'll be calling in shortly. And I just want to give you a little information about her. She is so amazing. You've seen her BET, um, Comic View. You've seen her on Tidal And you've seen her on um, the movie with Samuel L. Hi, Coco Brown, Loretta McNary Show. Hi, how you doing? I'm great. You know what? You're live and on air. Are you prepared? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry I'm quiet. I'm just actually in the room with my sleeping baby right now, so I'm walking out so I can talk to you with some volume. <laughs> okay, how you doing? I'm wonderful. <laughs> I'm going to read some of your bio, and then um, we can go straight into the interview. How about that? That's fine. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> okay, so when actress and comedian Coco Brown takes the stage, the world stands still. Brown is undeniably one of the most talented comics and performers of this generation. The Newport News, Virginia native, born Sarah Brown, excels her craft with such passion and soul-searching veracity when she claims the stage that ensuing act is Nothing short of a force of nature. Coco Brown audaciously draws from painful reminiscences and high not lessons, bravely weaving history skills that uplift, upend, and celebrate everything he's not doing about comedy. What drives the comic female figures nationwide has nicknamed the truth, the sheer will of a woman who provides a first place not to offer in his own standards. I'm going to stop there and bring you into the show, Coco Brown. Okay. <laughs> Hello? Because I, ah, okay. I absolutely love that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my publicist has a way with words. <laughs> Don't say, oh, my goodness, I'm glad I kind of briefly read over because, I mean, those are big $50 words. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> when I first read it, I said, who are you talking about? <laughs> This is a great bio. Who is this? <laughs> I know. I mean, only a publicist can, you know, make you sound that great. But you know what? they got to have something to work with, though. And so you have given right. them something to work with. So I'm just right. so excited that you're here and that oh, we actually are having this conversation. Oh, thanks for having me, sweetie. Thank you. Yeah, because, you know, I was telling people you, your credits include Tyler Perry's critically acclaimed comedy series, For Better or Worse on Oprah Winfrey's own network and a national commercial spot for Progressive Insurance Company. So that is so cool. Those are like two different um, spheres of the world, but can you tell us how the Progressive Insurance Company uh, works? I mean, I auditioned like everybody else, you know, got the call to go into audition. Um, Ended up going to three auditions, and then I ended up getting the part and um, wasn't, I didn't know I'd be working with Flo herself. 
and um, got in there, and it was like a, it was a shot over a week's time, and um, yeah, ended up doing it, and got a lot of good airplay, a lot of good exposure. It was a lot of fun too. And uh, the girl who plays Flo, her name is Stephanie, is a sweetheart. It was really you know great working with her. She's a doll. Yes, she is, and and how that has just evolved into a almost like a a little miniature sitcom for her, just to be on that progressive insurance. Oh, commercial. seriously! I mean, <laughs> she they, and the thing is, they have so much fun on that set. Trust and believe. If you guys could have seen the outtakes of that commercial shoot, <laughs> it was way funnier than what they put on TV. <laughs> you know? The stuff, I mean, they just really just had me saying the craziest things. It was like one scene. They had me coming through the little progressive store, knocking stuff off the shelves, scaring the customers. It was it was just hilarious. I mean, we had so much fun. I I can honestly say I have never had that much fun shooting a commercial in my life. I mean, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> that is so hilarious to me. I just did not believe it. Okay, so your career started at in advertising. That's funny. Well, yeah, I, you know, I graduated college and you know went you know went to D.C. and you know after a couple of little you know jobs here and there, I finally found my niche when I got with Feld Entertainment, which used to run Ringling Brothers and uh, Disney on Ice, and um, was with them for a few years before I got bit by the stand-up bug, and you know that's what I was doing. Okay, so when you when you say you got bit by the stand-up bug, because, you know, every once in a while, like every blue moon, I can come up with something while I'm doing my TV show that's so hilarious. And a couple of people uh-huh. have even dared to say, Loretta, you should do comics, stand-up. I'm like, you must be crazy, because I come up with one good joke every six years. You think I want to stand up there and, you know, embarrass myself and my mother and my sons and everything that's good about me? So when that's people tell you that, were they... I, they had to be tough. No, Girl, honestly, so no. When I say it really fell in my lap, I mean, the thing is, you know, if you ask my friends that I grew up with and family members or whatever, they was always saying I was silly, I was funny, I made them laugh or whatever. But I never thought about being stand-up comic. That never crossed my mind. I mean, I wanted to be Claire Huxtable. You know, I wanted to be, you know, a professional woman wearing Armani suits going to work, you know, I, <laughs> with a briefcase and driving a Benz. That was my whole thing. I, I didn't never thought about being a stand-up. And it, it kind of just fell in my lap because a friend of mine that I went to college with knew a, a guy who owned a comedy club in, in Maryland, and he was looking for a house in C, and he really wanted a female comedian to do it. But at the time, there was no female comics. I guess he liked or whatever the case may be in D.C. So he said, well, I know this, you know, he said, I know this girl that I went to college with. He goes, she used to host a lot of stuff for our fraternity, you know, and she is hilarious because I used to host a lot of stuff um, for Kappa Alpha Psi because I was a Kappa Diamond. And it was just comical to me because I was like, okay, well, he calls me one day and says, we're going to go to a barbecue. And I'm like, all right. I didn't know I was being put on the spot for an impromptu audition. So I get to the barbecue, and I'm just doing me, you know, and, you know, I guess was cracking him up and everything. And he finally said, you need to come out of my club and do a set. And I'm like, do a what? What are you talking about? <laughs> and that's how, and so he said, don't have this comedy club. It's blah, blah, blah. You should come and do, do a guest set. You know, I think you're hilarious. You should be a comic. And I'm like, huh? Oh, okay. You know, and I guess I was kind of bored with corporate. I figured, what the hell, you know, it couldn't hurt. And uh, the first time I ever went on stage, I got discovered by my mentor, 
the um, fat doctor who also mentored uh, Donnell Rollins, who plays Ashley Larry, you know, from the Dave Chappelle show. And he also mentored Martin Lawrence and Dave Chappelle himself. You know, he's definitely been an icon in D.C. He's like the godfather of comedy. Um, mm-hmm. And we call him the fat doctor, Darcel Blegemont. He was there that night. And so, of course, my my show had no rhyme or reason. I mean, I'm just up there rambling because I didn't know what to do because I never was trying to be funny. I was just being me. Mm-hmm. And um, he kind of came up to me and he said, you know what, you've got the gift. He said, you just don't know what to do with it. He said, let me work with you. And the rest has been history. Wow. And how, what year was that? Do you remember how long ago that was? 1996. 1990, 1990, 19, early 1997, early 1997, actually. Wow, and here you are. Just, you right? know, 15 years <laughs> later. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh, my mom said that to me. You know, who told you you could do a TV talk show? I would be crushed. There will probably be no TV talk show because I just, everything my mom says is like truth. There is no great areas. You know, I'm just always trying to please that lady, you know, because I just love her so much. Oh, you know, it's it's the mother thing. You know, I call the Joan, you know, I call it the the, the Mommy Dearest Syndrome. You know, you constantly trying to please your mama, you know. But it's like, yeah, first of all, we don't say that mother was like, who told you you was funny? And I was like, well, they said I was good, you know. Now she, she appreciates that funny. They're funny than uh, <laughs> okay, a lot of things around here, you know. So, uh, Oh, my goodness. I'm trying to have this interview without cracking up because you are so funny to me. Even just knowing, because I've seen you, I've heard you on different things, and your resume for the things that you have done is crazy from TV, film, Internet, magazines. You, you've been everywhere. And to hear you, um, you're just so, you know, so humble. And But then when you get on stage, it's like you become a different person. I mean, it, you know, it's funny. It's like, you know, you have to have an alter ego. Coco Brown is my alter ego. I could not be that heifer 24-7 because I would be, you know, <laughs> cat back crazy. I couldn't be her because, you know, she's just so, you know, in your face, honest, blunt. You know, all those times I got popped in the mouth as a kid for saying the wrong crap, I get paid for it now, <laughs> which is a good thing. You I are funny. Kid, you know, <laughs> so... <laughs> all those pops came in handy, you know, because, you know, I've always been kind of a blunt kid, you know, blunt person, and it didn't work well as a child. You know, I would say stuff like, ooh, she ugly, pow, you know. <laughs> you know. I didn't know any better. I just thought I was being honest, you know. But, um, but I mean, you've got to be really well-rounded in this business. You've got to be able to, you know, when, when, you're, when you're of uh, the darker persuasion in this business called show business, You've got to be a little bit more multi-talented. You can't just be one lane. You've got to be able to sing, dance, tap, dance, right, skydive, horseback ride. You know, you've got to be able to do it all, honey. You can't just do one lane. And sometimes at the same time, right? Seriously, seriously. You know, yeah, sometimes I, I know. have to, I have to eat fire, tell jokes, you know, do a cartwheel, ride a horse, <laughs> you know, and, and fry chicken all at the same time on stage to get a, get a rouse out of that crowd. I mean, 
you just have to be able to do so much. You just can't. You have to be really good at a lot of different facets. You just can't be one lane. That is so true. And you seem to have mastered it because, okay, I want. I don't want to get too far, too fast, but um, when you did BET's Comic View, what, what was mm-hmm. that called like? You know, the first time I got it, it was exciting. I mean, I had been doing comedy with a year and a half, maybe two years tops. And, you know, Comedy View had, you know, came in right around the same time as Deaf Comedy Jam. So as mm-hmm. Deaf Comedy Jam had faded out, Comic View became that uh, brass ring. If you got the Comic View call, you were doing something right in the comedy business because your name had resonated to the offices of L.A., you know, to be on that show. So the first time I got the call, it was just amazing to me, you know. Um, I was just so excited, whereas Comic View really didn't do auditions. Death Jam used to do these, like, auditions all around town when I kind of found out after a while it was a hoax because the dude who was doing it was just trying to get paid because Death Jam was dead and it won't come back for, like, 10 years. <laughs> but I'd <laughs> be auditioning every year for nothing. But um, Comic View was just really about you resonating your name out there and you putting out really good work and it, and it resonating back to the, you know, powers that be at BET to get you on that show. So the first time I got the call was awesome because that meant Coco Brown had made a roar. She had, she had definitely made some noise. And then after that, I did 11 straight seasons. I think it was one season I didn't because I was working on, I'm going to say I was working on a, a movie and I couldn't do it. So I missed one season. So I said, it was like it was like 10 straight seasons and a break and then one more season. So I did 11 straight seasons of Comic View, and it was, it was awesome. I mean, I missed it because, for one, it really provided black comedians a way for us to have a camaraderie. You know, we looked forward uh-huh. to coming together every year to shoot Comic View because – you know, it was like a reunion. It was like a class reunion. And, you you know, you got the young cats being able to sit with the veterans, you know, you know, so you were getting wisdom dropped on you, you know, you was trying your material out. And it was it was really fun. And like I said, it really built a camaraderie among comics. When we lost those venues like Comic Views and Def Jams and all of that, we lost the ability to have our camaraderie. Now it's, you know, each each man for himself. And you're out here fighting for the little bit of gigs that are out here that could pay your bills or get you deals. And, you know, it, it's it, it, I, I do miss that. You know, I really miss that because you look forward to that every year. Because mm-hmm. That's how you met all the comics that were here. Nowadays, it's thousands of new comics. I have no idea who they are. But back in the day with Comview, I would have met some of those comics. I would have known okay, who's my competition? Or who, 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 who's, you know, who do, who do I admire and I want to meet? You know, I mean, it's just, um, uh, you know, I, I, I do miss those days. But, yeah, back then, Common View was that creme de la creme up there once Def Jam had gone away. You know, and then after that, you know, you had your First Amendments and, you know, it was cool, but I, I think that death, the, the, the early Deaf Comedy Jam era and the, you know, the the first, I would say, 10 years of, you know, Comedy View were really formidable in my career. I love it, and I know you also were on One Mic Stand and also Showtime at the Apollo, but now I want to kind of move forward just a little But first I want to ask you, um, and I know this is a hard question. I know you are the best in comedy, right? But I want to ask you this question. Who do you <laughs> say is the best? Who Who is, like, your all-time favorite? And I know you did a, 
um, you did something performing in honor of uh, Richard Pryor. So mm-hmm. who would be your favorite comedian of all time? I mean, honestly, if I had to say my favorite of all time, I'd probably say Eddie Murphy. You know, mm. just his early years, the, you know, the delirious, the raw. Um, but, I mean, Richard, of course. But, of course, I'm a fan of the Richards Live on Sunset Strip and, you know, you know, and all of those. But I got hold of some very rare uh, videos of Richard working out his material in New York and places like the comic strip and working out his stuff in L.A. at the comedy store. And to watch this man build a joke, to create a joke, just by talking about what happened to him that day and (laughs) you knowing that that conversation on stage turned into one of his greatest bits. Um, (laughs) I would have to say to study. I I loved watching Richard work out. Um, I love Bill Cosby, of course. His storytelling to me is amazing. And, you know, how he can make something so vivid and not use one profanity, I mean, one profane word. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I wish I had that ability. I I dislike the colors of cussing a little bit too much in my life. So, <laughs> you know, I like the colors of cussing. So, I mean, you know, but, you know, I, I would definitely say, you know, between Richard and Bill and Eddie, those would probably be my top three that mm-hmm. if when I look at, I would hope that I would have that kind of career, you know, that, that, that lifelong legacy. Um, yeah. I can know, see definitely. that because I know you're going to become legendary and iconic because you're traveling in, like, in their footsteps. They were com- comedians first, and then they started getting into film and TV, and you're doing that. A lot of comedians don't. I mean, you can count on probably two hands how many get to make that transition. So you have mm-hmm. to be one of the greatest. I mean, you know, I guess you just got to stay ahead of the game. I mean, you know, it, it, it's funny. I... I've never given myself as to say a time limit. It's just things happened, I guess, in the progression that was supposed to happen for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and timing. You know, I just um, I roll with the flow. As long as I can take care of my son and and and, t- and take care of me and take care of my family, I'm good. So the progression is fine. <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay, so now let's talk about when when you got the call because we we see you on for better or, or worse the Tyler mm-hmm. Perry's um, critically acclaimed comedy series. So mm-hmm. tell me, what were you doing before that happened? How did all that happen for you? You know, it's crazy. Um, you know, the okay, let me see. Three months before I got that call, I was with some management that was just pimping the doo-doo out of me. Let me just keep it real. Mm-hmm. And uh, we broke up. It wasn't amicable at all. It was very ugly. It got very ugly um, because I didn't want to sign their blood diamond contract and sell away my firstborn. Mm-hmm. So um, went through a period of just, you know, I come this far to have, you know, this management company treat me like this. You know, I'm just really thinking about quitting. I'm tired of this. I mean, I really was on the verge of packing my stuff. And moving back to VA, I mean, I have a master's degree in education. I'm like, what am I doing? I could go back and, you know, teach for a while, you know, possibly get a Ph.D., be a college professor, teach somebody how to tell some jokes in a college. What am I doing? I mean, I was great, just totally transition my life, change my life, because I was just so disappointed and so distraught and so hurt about what had happened with this previous management company. 
And just as irony would have it, as God would have it, he was like, I ain't done with you yet. I was at a club in in L.A. called the Comedy Union, just kind of, you know, just venting one night. And my current agent and his wife were uh, in, uh, they were in um, the audience. And they just were like, I guess, super duper impressed with me when I came off stage they were just like, you know, I guess so impressed, and, and and they came up to me and they were like, oh my god, where have you been hiding? We think you're awesome. Like you could be the next Wanda Sykes. Like, oh my god, you da 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 da. And I'm just like, okay. And I used two little Jewish people. I'm like, okay, you know. <laughs> and um, they were like, who represents you? And I said, well, right now, I, I you know, I don't have management. I just have an agent, but. You know, I'm actually, I was actually, it was crazy. I was about to be in the process of looking for a new agent because the agent I was with had been very good to me for the first, you know, six years, seven years I had been in L.A., but I feel like I had outgrown him. And mm-hmm. I was hoping to find somebody because with, with the body of work that I had done on my own and with him, I was like, okay, I think I've graduated from the one-line, you know, roles. I think I need to really get some meat in me now. Come on, let's. You know, and I still had outgrown him. And no, no disrespect, I loved him. He took very good care of me for the first six years, almost seven years I was in L.A. So he said, well, why don't, you know, I told him I was represented by somebody, but I was kind of looking for, you know, new man, you know, new representation because I felt like I had grown. And he said, well, you know, definitely. So, you know, we exchanged information, and then I went about my business. Well, that night when I got home, my phone dinged, and it was a text message from this agent that I had just met saying that him and his wife had just looked me up on Google and saw some of my stuff, and they were like, can you please come to our house to dinner tomorrow? So they, invited me, so they invited me to dinner. I'm sitting there having dinner with them and their five kids, holding their newborn baby, and just really felt like family. And they just, I knew that after 30 minutes of sitting there with them, that these two people truly believed in me, and they were going to go above and beyond for me. I felt it. For once in my life, I said, finally, somebody that's just not blowing smoke up my butt or trying to get their 10 or 15% commission, they really believe in Coca Brown. And um, signed with them literally like a week later, this was around in December, took a break for the holidays, came back to LA 1st of January saw the breakdown for Tyler Perry for better or worse. And what's crazy is initially the role that I went out for was the character of Sheila, which was Jill Scott's character on the, in the movie, Why Did I Get Married? Called my new hey. agent. And in my this is the third time I had seen this breakdown and could never get in the room. My other agents, managers would never get me in the room for it, whatever the case may be, because they didn't have connections or whatever. So it finally came through again. I think it was meant to be, and I was with the right agent at the right time. Come to find out, he knew somebody who was really good friends with the president of the studio. I was in Tyler Perry Studios a week later auditioning for this role. Oh, my goodness. As Jennifer or? As Sheila, which was initially the role as Sheila. That was the initial role I went in for, which was Sheila, Jill Scott's role in the movie. Yeah. So okay. ended up auditioning for it. It went really good. Ended up being ready to walk out the studio and get told by the secretary, please don't go. Mr. Aru would like to see you. Ozzy Aru is the president of Tyler Perry Studios. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? You know, so I get taken <laughs> upstairs to the Golden Arches, I guess. <laughs> you know, and meet everybody, you know, uh, minus Mr. Perry, because he wasn't there, but I get to meet everybody. 
I mean, they just, like, everybody knew who I was. It was, like, crazy to me. I was, I thought I was just there for a normal audition, but it's like I walked in there, and it was like, oh, my God, hey, Coca, hey, Coca, hey, Coca. And I'm like, well, I didn't know who the devil I am. Apparently, <laughs> they'd been in there watching all my YouTube clips laughing at me and blah, blah, blah. So I ended up meeting with them, great audition, great meeting with Mr. Aru. You know, I just felt really positive. I walked out of there feeling very confident that I might have gotten a break. Uh, let's discuss how three months went by. Oh. Three months, almost four months went by. Um, this was January. I did not get the call that I had officially gotten the role until April. Okay, let, let's just stop right there because I know there are some people that are listening because I, 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 I have men and women listen, but I know I have a ton of women that listen. And mm-hmm. I have experienced what you're saying now when, when something was just so amazing, you just felt like God is just himself opened the door and had mm-hmm. everybody just ra- rallying around you. And then all of mm-hmm. a sudden, nothing else happens. And that yeah. is so devastating. I wanted to quit. I wanted it, to give it, everything oh, up. It was, it was tough. Now, I will say what, what saved me during this time is that my new agent was working me like a slave. No pun intended being that I'm black and he's Jewish. <laughs> I he was working me. I mean, I did like shoot in that period between January and latter part of April when I got the call. I did six six other pilots. Ooh, you know, I did. Don't trust to be in apartment twenty three. Two broke girls. Austin Alley. Um, a victorious was a proven show that I got a reoccurring on as Nurse Vickers. Um, I did GCB. Good Christian Bells. Um, no, I did five of, the, five of the pilots, and I did a short film called Quiet that just got nominated for a, um, uh, it's the, um, uh, the, 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 the gay, lesbian, bi, uh, it's like their version of the Academy Awards, because this story that I did, uh, Quiet, is based on two women who are married, but, you know, but not legally, and one of them gets you know, in a coma, and I end up being the nurse that helps the other woman see her spouse, even though it's against the law, and I, you know, proved to be like this pivotal. It's a really good role, and they're supposed to be going back to do a feature film where I'm going to reprise my role as the nurse, which I'm really excited about. But I was doing all of this, so they kept me so busy. I mean, even though I was racking my brain, because I'm like, wait a minute, I just had this awesome audition. I got taken upstairs to the big room to meet the president, you know. <laughs> and like, what is going on? This is not right. This is not right. I know what I do wrong, you know. I think, God, you, you wouldn't take me this far. What would you do? Why would you tease me? I mean, it was like, it was crazy. And then, like I said, it was one morning, and no lie, I was sitting on, it was the early morning, and I just got the, I literally had went and made myself a cup of coffee, got my, got my magazine, and was sitting on the toilet. This is no lie. And the phone rings, and I look at the screen, and it says Tyler Perry Studios. And I was like, I'm on the toilet with a cup of coffee and a paper. This is crazy, no lie. And I'm like, okay. So I pick it up, and they're like, hi, Coco Brown, you know, and I was like, yes. Hi, we have our day room on the phone for you. Could you please hold? And I was like, sure. And I get on the phone, and I'm like, hello. And he goes, hey, Coco. And I'm like, hey, Ozzy, how you doing? And he goes, I'm good, I'm good. He says, hold on one second, I want to buzz TP in. What? <laughs> what? You want to buzz who in? So, buzz in. Hey, Coca, I'm like, oh, you know, because <laughs> you know, I know the voice, you know. 
And he's like, how you doing? I'm like, this, you know, this is Tyler. And I'm like, how you doing? You know, my God, it's an honor to meet you. You know, blah, blah, you know. He says, you ready to come to work? And I'm like, huh? And he's like, you ready to come to work? And I was like, yeah. You know, and he was like, um, basically, you know, um, I just went to call and personally offer you the role of Jennifer. He said, and I'm like, Jennifer? He said, yes. He said, yeah, initially I was doing it, you know, really based on the movie and recasting. He said, but I've changed a lot of dynamics of the show. He said, Marcus and Angela are definitely still going to be the centerpieces of the show. He said, but uh, after seeing you and your audition and seeing your stand-up and just watching you, he goes, I decided to rewrite the character. I created her a little bit more like Coco. He said, so now you would play Angela's best childhood best friend who helps her run the salon. How do you like that? I'm like, I'm cool. <laughs> you know, I'm cool, you know. And that's, so he ended up rewriting the character based on my personality as what he saw in Coco Brown in my audition and I guess through my stand-up. So that's how Jennifer was born and that's how I got the part. And then one month later, a sister was in Atlanta shooting the first 10 episodes. Wow. And so those 10 episodes have now led to what, like, I don't know, 35 or more? Yeah, because we, well, 45, because we did the first 10, then we came back this past summer and did 35, where I was seven and eight months pregnant, respectively. You know, I made it all the way through the week before the last week of shooting. My water broke one week before we wrapped, and I had my baby, so I missed, like, the last four episodes. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but I, I shot, I shot what, 20, 31 of those babies seven and eight months pregnant. And then, um, you know, Mr. Perry being the incredible person that he is, uh, wrote a movie for me, uh, kind of just, you know, as I guess, I don't know. It was weird. It's like, you know, he told me he had something for me because he wanted to know how long it was going to take for me to peel after having my baby. And then, boom, six, you know, fast forward six months later, he calls and he's written a movie for me. And yeah. uh, Surrounded me with this incredible cast, Nia Long, Terry Crews, Amy Smart, Zulai Hanayo, Wendy McClendon from Bridesmaids, um, Sean Kerrigan. I mean, just an incredible cast called Single Bombs Club, and that comes out May 2014, and we just shot that um, over Thanksgiving and right before Christmas in Atlanta, and that was absolutely amazing, and I'm so excited for that to come out. When I tell you they should have never put me and Terry Crews together, he plays my love interest in the movie, and, honey, the chemistry is insane. I, they should have never. When I tell you it's a good time waiting to be burst. <laughs> People Girl, are going to be like funny on crack. That's going to be just so hilarious because you Oh, alone, trust, honey. When I say this love scene is probably going to go down in the record books as one of the funniest, most hilarious things I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was so much fun. And Terry was such a gentleman, such a sweetheart. And, you know, Nia's so cool. And Amy's so I mean, Amy, and just everybody, it's like, I don't know what it is. It's like, it's like literally when you walk through the doors of Tyler Perry Studios, it's literally like your egos are checked the door and your family. And that's how it's been with any project I've ever worked on with him. It, it, it has his name on it. And I have worked on so many different projects and movies and sitcoms all across, you know, other people. And there is nothing like it. I can tell you, I look 
forward to being with those people for three and four months because it's like family. It's like seriously like family. We're not, we not only work together those three or four months, we meet every few months to have lunch. We call each other. We talk to each other. Two of my castmates came and helped me move the other, you know, a few weeks ago. I mean, and it's like, it's, and it was like that with the movie. I'm still, you know, I made lifelong friends on that set, you know, mm-hmm. and, and because he works a lot of the same people, especially behind the cameras, I'm going to tell you, it is so refreshing to walk on a set and see so many people that look like you behind the camera. Ooh, I can it's only just, imagine. It's liberating. I mean, the first time I witnessed that, I had to go to my dressing room and cry because I just felt like I had walked into some, like, heavenly place. Like, wow, usually you're the, you, you and maybe one other person is the only person of color on a set. And to walk on a set and see cameraman, boom mic operator, script supervisor, to see all of these people that look like you working behind the camera, it's amazing. So like I said, it's just it's very empowering working, you know, for that man and working for his studios. And, you know, I thank God every day for that experience. And I hope that, you know, I'm there for a very, very long time and my son can learn from him, to be honest with you. My son can learn so much from that man. Oh, Wow. That is so beautiful. I know um, Tabari Sturdivant, he's been on my show. He's a filmmaker, and he also does some stuff um, for the Tyler Perry studio. And he has said the same thing. He said the same thing when we, I interviewed him last year, that it's a, it's not, it's a family. Everybody it's a family. is just so cordial. And it's not, you know, like we're just pretending because I really don't like her or, you know, we got all this stuff going on. No. That it's so real, and the excellence and the quality of what happens at that studio is you know, over the top. Hollywood cannot compare to the talent that he has around him all the time. So mm-hmm. one day I'm going to get to meet him and interview him too. That's all my goal. And But to have you here, I'm just super, super excited. So tell me, because I watched this movie, and I want to come back and talk more about your um, experiences with the Tyler Perry studio, but Lakeview Terrace, that movie <laughs> – I don't know what to say about Samuel Jackson in that movie. So I'm trying to remember your part in that movie. I, I was the bartender. The I had a very, I had a very small part. Um, that was actually my first major motion picture. You know, I had done, I had done, you know, some independence, but that was my first major motion picture, funded by a major studio, directed by Neil LeBute, who is just huge. You know, director. <laughs> you know, and to work with Sam. You know, and my part wasn't very big. But for some reason, it was very memorable. People remember this mm-hmm. bartender, you know, when me and Sam had this exchange, like, you mess, you get in a fight in my club, I'm going to whoop your tail, you know. It's, <laughs> you know it's, <laughs> but it was, it was great working with him. And he is another individual that is such a giving um, actor. They tried to cut out some of my lines. And Sam said, no, I need her to have her lines to give me, the, you know, the, the moment for me to do what I do. Don't cut her lines. When he stuck up for me like that, I was like, whoa. You know, and I thought that was so awesome of him because he could have easily been like, I don't care about her. I'm going to do mine regardless. But yeah. for him to stick up and say, you know, no, don't cut her lines. He told me, you say, you say what you need to say to, give me, to feed me my line here. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know. And he was very, very nice. You know, I mean, I got to – pick his brain and have lunch with him and just pick his brain. And he's very nice, very approachable. I mean, that man is just an incredible 
um, you know, uh, artist, and, and it was such an honor working with him. Such an honor. Okay, he he is definitely brilliant. Let me ask you this though, Coco, because when I was doing my research and my producer Bethany, when she had contacted you, and we started doing uh-huh. our research, and you know, so we want to be knowledgeable, but who doesn't know the name Coco Brown? First of all, we knew that, but when we were looking for images for you to put on our um, as we built the show on the radio page, you uh-huh. look totally different in every picture. How in the world does one woman have this, these many looks but not be insane? <laughs> they're called wigs, honey. I know they're wigs, but, I mean, they totally, you <laughs> no, they're called they're wigs. wigs. But you just changed, though. You changed to fit whatever new look. But that's actually my moniker. My moniker is the chameleon of comedy. Oh, okay. Because, honey, you work it. That's all I can say. Because you'll never Whether see the same Jennifer. chick or the same, yeah. You know, you'll never no, see the same set or the same chick twice. Yeah, that's that's my moniker, the familiar comedy. Mm-hmm. So who is the real Coco Brown? Will the real Coco Brown please stand up? <laughs> You're talking to her. <laughs> I don't even want to know what you look like. Because I know radio. I mean, I mean, now, you know, it's funny. It's like. I mean, I look like me. I just change my hair a lot. I may do glasses. I may not do glasses. I think um, in my younger years, that was something I more so embraced. But now that I'm getting a little older and and, and, beside, and, and being a mother, too, I have to stay a little bit more consistent or I shall confuse my child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think when I was younger, I was I embraced that change, that daily change a lot more. But as I've gotten older, I'm getting a little bit more Set okay. This is who I am. Like right now, I've got short curly hair and I wear glasses, and this is who I am. Because I feel like whatever role, you know, my roles change, and I like being able to be a blank canvas, so that whatever character I'm going to be, I'm not married to a look, and I don't have to make the character match the look. I can make the look match the character. And I heard that was a true essence of a, a wonderful and talented actress who can do that because not many people do that. You see, they want to have the same look so people can recognize them, but at the same time, you get stereotyped. You get mm-hmm. only um, going to be chosen. You know who I roles. who I absolutely adore is is Viola Davis. Viola oh, Davis yeah. is she is not afraid to be ugly, and a lot of women, especially black women, will not go there. But if you look at a lot of Viola Davis in person when she when she's on that red carpet is a gorgeous woman. Alfre yes, Woodard. Woodard is another one, gorgeous yes. woman, but is yes. not afraid to make herself ugly for her role. And and I admire that when you're so confident in your ability and your talent and and where you're trying to go for that character. I mean, I would even give that like to a Charlize Theron. I'd give that to a Holly yeah. Berry. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just not afraid to be ugly for the role, for the character, to dig deep. You know, you look at all the roles that Viola Davis has done, from Antoine Fisher to The Help, you know, to Can't, you know, Won't Back Down. And then you see her on the red carpet. The woman is absolutely beautiful. She's gorgeous. But she has no problem making herself ugly. Alfie Wood at the same way, you know, has no problem just making herself look crazy. As you know, when you, you saw her, and, you know, when she was in that movie Funny Valentine's and she was in Holiday Heart, she could be a crackhead. But then you see her and she's absolutely beautiful. And it's like, to me, those are the actresses I admire, where I am so confident 
that, you know, I don't have to be pretty to 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 reassure myself of my talent. Make me make me look crackhead, and I promise you, I'll bring home you know an award because <laughs> that's when when you when you allow yourself to make the character the look match the character, not the character match the look. Yes, I love that, and you you do that. I mean, from all of your characters that I've seen you play, and then when you do your stand up, so you're just an amazing. So what's next for you? Because you. I mean, you conquered it. You were nominated for an Image Award this year, last year, and I'm sure with this movie that's coming out in 2014, I know that's going to be over the top. Everything well, actually, I wasn't nominated for an Image Award. I was actually uh, nominated for a SAG Award. A SAG, a SAG. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, I didn't make the actual final ballot, but just to be on the uh, you know initial ballot um, with everyone you know saying this is who we want, the fact that I made it that far is big to me. Oh, yeah. Because that means I'm doing something. I didn't make the NAACP nomination this year, but I noticed with them, they're usually like a, a year behind. Yeah. Because this year they awarded people on shows that ain't even out no more. So <laughs> I think they're kind of in a regressive kind of thing, you know, so maybe next year they'll nominate me for what I did last year. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we shall see. I don't know. We shall yeah, maybe that's it. I mean, that, that may be the key to their, you know, because I've gone on the red carpet a few years, and I absolutely adore going to the Image Awards to interview mm-hmm. all those amazingly talented people that look like me. Not that that's super important to me, but it just speaks volumes for our children, our youth. They mm-hmm. need to see more of that. they got to see more of that so that we can kind of repair um, the state that they're in um, as a as a whole because they just don't see enough. You're either rapping or playing basketball or, you know, in a video, but there are so many tons of um, African-American people that are doing incredible things. So I just want to make sure that they're exposed to that through my radio show, through my TV talk show. So now I want to talk about with you, lady, because you do have some funny stuff on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and even my son, so you cross generations. My son, Nicholas, he came in for a moment, and I was like, look who I'm talking to. He said, yeah, she's funny, Mama. And Nicholas is oh. kind of sort of all things funny, so. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> They're like my advisory council, my sons are, because I want to be hip and cool, but I also, you know, know that they know a lot more about what's going on in the entertainment industry than I do right. in the industry. <laughs> I was just having this conversation with myself. I'm like, when my child's a teenager, mommy's going to be on the verge of being a senior citizen. Am I going to be the goofy mother that's saying the wrong crap at the PTA meeting <laughs> and embarrassing my child? <laughs> that would probably you know, be a combination of all of no more. You know what I'm saying? He's going to be like, mom, nobody says that anymore. Shut up. I can dig it. I can dig it, mom. Get out. <laughs> I know, mom. Please don't dig it here. Don't dig it here. My, no. Yeah, they're like the, the style and the cool points police. And they you know, I want to be that cool thing. mom. I really do, but I'm like, oh, God. Will I be the corny mother that embarrasses my child? <laughs> now I'm sure I have embarrassing, but I always look good when I do it. So they give me that. Right. That's what they'll say. You have right. You look good. Mama will always look good. Mama will always look good. <laughs> so she's gonna mm. look good, but she's she's totally gonna embarrass us. I, I promise you. 
because I used I went through this thing where when Tyler Perry was doing the Madea thing, I would always say, and the great philosopher Madea says, buy a house somewhere or something like that. And they were like, oh, my goodness, my boys are so bougie sometimes. I'm like, where do you get that from? But they're well-rounded. They're well-rounded. So when I would say that, like, buy a house somewhere, you know, quote some stuff from the Madea movie, oh, my goodness, they just like, who is that lady? Who is she? But, but I have this. Too. I have this alter ego that I have this. I have this alter ego <laughs> that, that, that I call Chiquita. And she's like, instead what? Trust me, I just plenty personalities in here. But I don't want to scare men out there being that I'm going through a divorce now. Maybe looking for a new baby daddy. So I don't want to scare men right now. Um, oh, but okay. yes, yes, plenty personalities in here. But um, <laughs> you know, but I have like this alter ego called Chiquita. Chiquita is my ghetto. Is my ghetto girl. That when I just want to be real ghetto, I just like you know what I'm saying. Like for real enough, tell me, know me like that. And my hands, tell me, know me like that. Okay, he don't know me like that for real. <laughs> and I just be so afraid. I may bust it out in front of my son's friends, and he'd be like, oh, my God. He'd be like, yo, your mom's crazy, yo. What's <laughs> wrong with your mom, yo? Something wrong with it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is too funny. So how old is your son now? He's nine months, so he's safe for, like, the first ten. He's safe for, like, the first eight, I would say, eight years <laughs> before yeah, I begin yeah, to embarrass him. Exactly, but after, I don't you know. know. These kids are so much wiser now. Every year is like he'll come. He'll be ready at two or three. He'll say, "Mom, please don't." When he's two years old, I bet if he's gonna tell you, "Mom, please don't." <laughs> well, see, that's why I say I, that's why I'm really trying really hard right now to get on like like something with Elmo or maybe like Yo Gabba Gabba with DJ Lance because I know if I get on that, I'm gonna be the cool mom for like ten years. <laughs> yeah, if you could do anything, like any show that they really, really love, like for me now, YouTube is a thing where my sons get all their information, comes from the Internet and from YouTube, and, you know, they tell me Facebook is old, Mom, don't get on Facebook, and Twitter and Instagram, and I'm like, man, that's too much. I'll never get any work done. When will I have time to host an actual TV show if i got to keep up with all this social media? So they try to keep me informed, but, oh, my goodness, and not to mention dancing. I love the Cupid Shuffle, Coco. I love that dance. And my son was like, no, Mom, there are other dances. I'm like, well, it took me. It was out of style when I learned how to do it, first of all. But, so, yeah, that, that's something I, I do embarrass. But they're very proud of me still, though. They, they love it when people say, oh, do you know Loretta McNary? And they're like, yeah, dude, that's my mom. I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> So I know kids are they're they're my heart they're my heart. Do you think you'll change some of your comedy so when he becomes older and can understand what you're doing? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think my material will change in a sense because of what I'm experiencing because a lot of my material is indicative of what I was going through at that time. Because right now, my material is drastically changing just based on you know, how different my life is now being a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, will I become, like, a clean comic? Like I said, I just love the colors of profanity way too much. <laughs> <laughs> you no, just have to understand, you can't say what mommy said. I mean, I, you know, I may yeah, have to write a clean version for my son to take to school, okay? You like that? So let me write you a clean version. You can tell your friends what mama said at work, at the school, Okay. So that's going to be a great conversation. Like I said, these kids are so wise these days, it's kind of hard to say don't do as mommy, you as I say it and not what I'm doing. But um, kids make you better. They make you better. They really, they bring out the best in us. 
So are you going to be one of those moms who try to tell your son don't go into the entertainment business business because you know all about it? Hmm. Or will that be his own decision? You know, it's funny. My son already has an agent. So... (laughs) (laughs) Has he already been on TV in a commercial? Uh, No, not yet. Not yet. But he's had an agent since he was three months old. Mm, interesting. Because, I um, like that. You know, I um, uh, whoops, I'm sorry. I'm just you know, checking on him, you know, doing the mommy thing. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I was I was in my you know agent's office, you know, signing some paperwork, and I had the baby with me, and the lady who runs the children's department saw him and said, "Oh my God, you have to let me sign him." <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Yeah, and so he's had an agent since he was three months old. Um, so, you know, he had his first audition a few weeks ago. Um, unfortunately, they wanted an older baby because my little one is just now crawling, and they wanted one that could stand on his own. Oh, okay. So <laughs> now you've learned something. Yeah, I think if he could have, he could have stood up. He might have had that joint because they thought he was cute as a button. They loved him. But they wanted one that could walk, that could stand up on his own. <laughs> Come on, that is funny. You said if that jumper could stand up, we'd have had that that role. Already, you sound like um, one of one of those moms they call on those shows, um, the pageant moms. <laughs> that would you now, be that kind of mom? Me, no, hell no. Those are sick. That's just sick. You've got your child dressed up like a tranny, and you think that's cute. <laughs> yeah, I think that's way that's too sick. far. That's way an extreme. Yeah. That is sick, you know. Don't get me wrong. I have some great, I have some awesome friends who are drag queens, but I am not about to have my four-year-old looking like one. Yeah, yeah. I know. It, it, I agree with you. Yeah, too much. That's the it's same too much. And I think, I think, it, and I think it sends the wrong message to these little girls that your only self-worth based on how you look. Yeah, that's that's a poor message. That's a horrible message to send at such an early age. And so that's why it's so important that, you know, people like the Tyler Perry's and the Coco Browns do things in their natural order. Like, you are who you are. You have embraced who you are. Every At least we see that, and we feel that you have embraced who you it's are. Been a long, it's been a long, hard journey. Don't get it twisted. I ain't always been this dang confident. And and, and and trust. No, I have not. No, 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 no. Can we you know, I think we're talking about that? Because I'm the same way. You know, you can get people can tell you stuff and if you start believing everything somebody tell you because it sounds good and you wanna believe it. But deep down inside for a long time I didn't think I had a great voice. I didn't think I was really pretty or anything. Um, but I knew I was called to do radio, I knew I was called to do T V. So how about you? Do you 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 didn't always love Coco Brown? Uh no, Coco Brown was created to hide Farrah Brown. <laughs> I mean, okay, well, I mean, how Did you not love her? What was it about her that you didn't love? I mean, I was, you know, you know, trust and believe. You know, I, I, I you know, I've been, I, I, I haven't always been this confident. No, I've had uh, just like any other. You know, uh, young girl growing up, you know, you had your insecurities, you had your issues, you had your, you know, um, am I pretty enough, am I cool enough, am I skinny enough, am I light enough, am I dark enough, am I, is my hair long enough, mm-hmm. do I got good hair, mm-hmm. do I got bad hair, my feet too big, you know, I've had it all, you know what I'm saying, and 
it's one of those things that for me, you know, this journey of being Coco Brown has actually helped me um, learn and and embrace who Farrah Brown is. You know, even through, you know, even through the uh, mistakes or, you know, not greatest decisions, it's brought me to a point now in my life that I'm finally comfortable in my skin and I'm also not afraid of my voice. I used to say things and then regret what I said. You know, Ooh. now I I I think before I speak. I do, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> I try to speak with some because you know I I I let Coca get ghetto a little bit, and that's not what I come from. That's not who I am. Don't get me wrong. Now, I can be ghetto. I can I can be that down, the beat down kind of chick, but that's not who I am. I mean, you know, like I said, you know, I got a master's degree in education. Do you, you know? Do you really want Coca Brown teaching your kids? <laughs> <laughs> So I had to really do a lot of evaluation, you know, and it really helped me discover who I was as a woman, the, the real me, the, the me that's outside of the spotlight, that's not on set, that's not on stage. And, um, you know, I'm glad that it got me to this point because now that I'm a mother, you know, I, I see the transformation that has come from the, the, from being an alter ego and, you know, uh, putting out one image to the world and being someone else. What people are seeing of me now is a beautiful marriage between the two. And for a long uh-huh. time it was a fight. It was um it was an Ike and Tina kind of thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And now I can relate. Yeah. You know, now I am very comfortable in who I am, whether it's Coca or Sarah, but now I think it's a beautiful marriage between the two. Mm. So did you ever, um, now I'm trying to do this psychotherapy on myself with you, because I have, and it sounds like we've had some of the same experience with, when it comes to um, the love of who we are. So did you always, well, that's her and I'm me, so there were two people. Did you ever have that issue going on that you were yeah, to say this? I think what I'm the wake-up call them. was, um, it took one of my dearest friends saying to me, this was probably about, Ooh, about eight years ago. And one day we were on the phone, and she was like, hold up, stop. This is one of my dear friends I've known since college, you know, and she was like, okay, look, let's stop this conversation right now. Who am I talking to? Is this Coca or is this Farrah? Because I want to talk to Farrah. And that hit me like a ton of bricks, that I had allowed myself to become the character, even with people who knew me before. Mm. That I had lost me. Wow. That I had become so ingrained in being Coca Brown, the character and the personality, that I had lost Farah. And, you know, and it has been a journey up until now, and it's still a journey, but I think mm-hmm. now, you know, I can now have both of those entities inside of me and, and know how to separate the two and then not even have them two separate entities anymore. It's like. What you see is what you get, but, you know, there's Coca, the comedian, and the actress, and the personality, and then there's Farrah, the friend, the daughter, the sister, the mother. Mm. Okay, mine was similar, because I, I wanted to be Loretta McNary when I was doing TV or radio or whatever I was doing when I was out in public, but then I wanted to have a safe place for Loretta McNary, you know, like the mom, the daughter, the um, mm-hmm. friend, 
but I struggled so long with that that it was becoming weary for my soul, so I just had to fully embrace who I was becoming, and I became mm-hmm. Loretta McNary, and that meant, like you said, and that was a great, I love the way you put that up, marriage, so now I'm I'm just Loretta, who happens to be a TV talk show personality, but I'm still mom, I'm still daughter to my mother. If she calls, I jump. Right. You know, she is so first in my life. And right, my boyfriend. right, right. So there's... I don't have to choose. I can. This is who I am. And I would go out on a couple of dates, and, and you, oh, Lord, we have to come back on just talk about the dating and being in this industry, how people, I'm. this is who I am. I'm not putting on her when I go out at the house. I'm always in pumps. I've always got my hair done. I've always had makeup on. And they were thinking that I was trying to be the personality on a date when I was just being Loretta. I was that mm-hmm. before I became that. So, mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. We, we should just do it. I mean, I want to hear more about the single moms on wild thing. So it, it's so critical that we understand that we have to be who we are regardless of how people feel about it. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And, I mean, it took me a while to embrace that. Like I said, when I became Coca Brown, I wanted to recreate myself because I wasn't happy with who I was. Mm-hmm. And Coca became what I thought people wanted me to be. And mm. as time progressed, I realized that it took a lot of work being something I wasn't. And I had to wow. get back to being true to myself. And, mm. you know, that has been that has been a journey and a struggle, you know, because Sarah is the one who, whose feelings get hurt by certain things. Coca don't care. <laughs> Coca, you know, they, they're, they're just so... It's like I've now been able to formulate a, a perfect marriage between the two where I can have, you know, Coca's strongness and, 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 and willfulness and just, you know, ability to come into a room and take over and be a leader and all of that. And I had to realize there were parts of Coca that Sarah needed to embrace, but there were a lot of p- parts of Sarah that Coca needed to embrace. Mm, you know, Farrah is the caring. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, I, I have a maternal nature. You know, I have so many little brothers and little sisters that, you know, <laughs> I'm just very maternal. You know, I yeah, have all kinds. Of, you know, I have a bunch of little babies that are my babies. You know, young comics or you know people people in this business who come to me and I'm like mama. You know, and I had to embrace that that you know they don't need Coca sometimes they need Farrah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had to find that common ground, like I said, because I, I didn't come into this business initially to bring Farrah to the world. I came in to bring them what I thought they wanted to me to be in the version of Coca Brown. Mm. Wow. And I had so to realize, you know, yeah, you know, it, it, well, I mean, it, it, it just, it, I think a lot of people do that, you know. I, I, mm-hmm. I thank God that I gave myself a character to perpetuate then instead of just putting Farrah Brown out on stage for a while because Farrah was a little too insecure to do that. She had to create a facade, an image. Wow. But now, where I am now, you know, I am comfortable with Farrah. I love Farrah. And, you know, um, Coca is just an extension of that, whereas it used to be, you know, you know, Sarah and Coco were one of the same because she felt Coco was more accepted and loved than Sarah was. Now Coco's just another entity, another 
you know, another extension of me. What you exactly, get another that. extension. I love that. Oh, you've got to come back on so we can really talk about that because I I want to dedicate that show to women who um, feel like they can't be who they who they are. You know, you got to free yourself. Yeah. You got to be liberated. So, and I got to get you to Memphis too. I want you to come to Memphis. I don't know where you are if you're in Atlanta or LA now, but we would love been to, to Memphis have you come ever. to Memphis. Oh, well, well we like, you know, do that. Yeah, I haven't been in Memphis in a while. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Our time is up. I've enjoyed this conversation. I can't believe it's been Thank you for having minutes. me, honey. Thank you for having me. You know, I oh, really enjoyed talking to you. It's good to be, it's, it's good to when you do an interview with someone who allows you to be you and, and, and gives you the right questions or leads you in. Because sometimes, honey, you'll be on these interviews and you'll be like, okay, what do you want me to say next? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I call oh, mine conversation. Oh. When you come do my mm-hmm. TV show, it'll be a conversation. It'll be like we've been knowing each other forever, and we just want to help people by sharing our story. So that's mm-hmm. that's what you get. That's all. That's all I can offer is who I am, and that's how I do it. Okay, right, you know, well, and it definitely. Yeah. Anyway, I will be in touch with you, and I and I'm one of your biggest fans now. I'm rallying behind you. You can do no wrong. I'm going to support you even if you do. Oh, thank you. That's what it's about. Thank you. Well, I'm human, honey. I'm human. I know we I'm all human. are. Hey, Amen. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day. Kiss your beautiful son, and we'll talk to you. Thank soon. you, absolutely. And, and if anybody, any of your fans were listening, please tell them to hit me up on Twitter under Coca Brown Twenty Two. That's C O C O A Brown Twenty Two. Because if you don't add that A on the end of Coca, you're going to get a chick who's going to end up cussing me out because she keeps getting people asking her questions like she's me. <laughs> so please make sure you spell it C O C O A Brown. 22, and they can follow me on Facebook as well under Comedian Coco Brown, and don't forget that A. Yeah, I already put all that out, honey, and I'm also following you on Twitter and Facebook, so when they find Thank me, you. they find you. Got you. All right, Thank we'll you. be talking soon before that movie comes Definitely. out. I want to do like a release party or something. But anyway, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to Loretta McNary Live Radio Show. We'll talk to you tomorrow at the very same time. In closing, be who you are. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye.